is a bit rough this morning. It's just all the pollen in the air. So we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. <coughs> no, mess you around, Ian, by moving the microphone. It always happens. He gets it just right, and then I pick it up. Poor, poor Ian. Good job. Thank you. We're very grateful to our um, technology staff. <sighs> so our hours and our days and our weeks are filled with experiences. And all experiences help us learn and shape us, even if only a little bit. Good experiences that fill us with joy and um, difficult experiences that come with pain. And our responses to those experiences shape us for good and for not so good. When Greg and I were engaged, um, we were looking for a place to hold our wedding. And there was a park that we both liked and I used to jog there on a Saturday morning. So one sunny afternoon we went there together because I, while I was running, had found this spot. I was like, I, this is the spot. And so I took him there and we walked and we talked and we thought and we kind of planned for about an hour or so. And when we came back to our car, um, someone had broken the window and they'd stolen Greg's phone and they'd taken my bag. And it was quite a stressful experience. Um, both the, the bank and the police were really helpful um, for us. But two things changed for me. Two things that I did differently. One was that I made sure I either took my bag with me um, or I made it in a space that you couldn't see it from the outside if I was leaving it in the car. And second is that when I went jogging in that park, I parked somewhere else. I parked where there were more cars. But it didn't change my love of that park and Greg and I still got married there um, and no one's car was broken into during the wedding. <laughs> so we did think about saying, make sure you lock your cars. But um, anyway, when I was pregnant with Elizabeth, um, our car was broken into again. This time it was here in Melbourne. It was in our driveway. I'm not, um, they took nothing of value and it wasn't nearly as stressful experience for me. But my response was different. It's possibly because I had pregnancy hormones. It was possibly because the car was less than five metres away from us when it happened. But it scared me. It really scared me. And that fear response had a much longer impact on me just in little ways. So I still have to check that the car is locked before we go to bed. It always is because I've locked it when I got out of it like you, like you normally do. <clears throat> and there's nothing especially precious in our car. And it's a car, it has windows, so like rationally, people could break into the windows anyway. But I have to do it. I'm working on changing that. So um, this isn't my uh, debrief moment, but um, I'm working on changing that and trusting that I actually have locked it earlier and if I haven't, it, it doesn't, it's okay, it doesn't matter. I tell you these stories because all kinds of experiences shape us and some of the ones that we heard this morning are really powerful and really beautiful. Thank you for sharing those. And some of the ones that are um, more dramatic can actually have a smaller impact on us than um, experiences that on the surface perhaps seem less significant. We're thinking about experiences this morning, if you haven't <laughs> kind of worked that out from, from the stories. Um, but in particular, we're thinking about personal experience of Jesus. So before we go any further, I'm just going to pray and um, we'll, we'll start together. Lord God, we thank you for all the ways that you shape us. Thank you for each person um, who's connected with this community and for the ways that you are working in and through their lives. Well, we, we pray that as we come to you this morning and we look at your word, that we would encounter you in a new way and a fresh way. 
that we would not go away from this place unchanged. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we are looking at um, Acts 9 this morning. If We've been in a series here at Northern looking um, through the book of Acts in a series that we've called Moved. And this morning we're looking at um, Moved by a Personal Experience of Jesus. And so <clears throat> we're looking at Acts 9. I'm going to kind of tell you the story while it um, is on behind us. So if you want to read along as we go, that's fine. So this passage that we come to this morning starts with a really great word. Meanwhile... So David um, shared with us last week about Philip having conversations with the Ethiopian eunuch and sharing the good news of Jesus up and down the coast of Israel. Meanwhile, there's something a bit more sinister going on. Saul was very opposed to the recognition of Jesus as the Messiah and had been part of a force that drove the disciples out of Jerusalem. And now he'd set his sights on stamping out the followers of Jesus even as they exited the city. So he goes to the chief priests and he requests permission to track down the followers as far as Damascus and arrest them, bring them back. If you've been reading or rereading Acts while we've been going through this series here at Northern, Saul is someone that we've met before. <clears throat> he was a shady character who held the coats of the others um, who were stoning Stephen in Acts 6. So go back and check that out later this afternoon if you like. But now... He's, he's not just holding the coats of others, he's being much more open in his condemnation and persecution of the followers of Jesus. So he takes an arrest party and they go with him and they're on a mission to, to Damascus. But then something inexplicable happens. A bright light shines all around Paul as he's walking and he's blinded by it. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice that calls him by name, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He responds, who are you, sir? The voice says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Get up and go to the city, and there you will be told what to do. So Saul stands up, but when he opens his eyes, he's still blind, and he needs the help of that arrest party to get him to Damascus. And they're puzzled because they've heard this voice, but they didn't see anyone. And this experience, although public, was only for Saul. And he stays there in Damascus for three days and for three nights without eating or drinking. Then we have that, um, I'm going to use a great, that word again. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, something else was happening. There was a believer in Damascus who also has an encounter with Jesus. And his encounter happens through a dream, a vision. And in his vision, Jesus calls him by name. He says, Ananias. Now Saul asked, who are you, Lord? <clears throat> when he when he heard a voice. But Ananias doesn't. He says, yes. Yes, Lord, I'm here. He knows who it is who's speaking to him. And then Jesus is very specific. He says, go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from, from Tarsus called Saul. He is praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so that he can see again. I want to just pause there for a moment. Imagine that you are Ananias and you've heard about this Saul of Tarsus and he's the one hunting down followers of, Jer followers of Jesus in Jerusalem and now he's got permission to come and arrest people in your city. Are you going? <laughs> no, I don't think I would either. I think Ananias says what we all say would say. He says, but Lord, 
I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. He's authorised by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon his name. The implication being, I don't see that going to help this guy is the right move. I know you're God and I'm not, but are you sure? And Jesus says to him, yep, I'm sure. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias goes and he restores Saul's sight and he baptises him and he helps him recover. So that's the passage. That's the story we're looking at today. Now both Saul and Ananias have personal experiences with Jesus and their experiences are kind of similar and different. And we're going to have a look at what that is from that story. And I've put that on a table. Yeah, hopefully it's, I was trying to make sure it was the right size so you could read it. So the things that are um, similar is that both Saul and Ananias um, hear their name. Jesus addresses them by name. So first, that's a relational thing. It's quite personal. It's quite relational. Second, there's a specific direction and a specific purpose. And for both of these, Ben, it's a, a purpose and a direction that they would not have chosen without intervention. Um, <clears throat> and the third thing that's similar is that for both of these guys, this personal experience of Jesus requires a faith response. But there are some differences as well. Saul hears an, an audible voice. It sounds like others heard it too. But Ananias has a vision in a dream. No one else hears it. Saul doesn't know Jesus' name. Ananias does. Saul's experience causes him to stop, to be humble. Ananias' experience causes him to go, to be bold. Saul is immediately obedient. It's an interesting one. And Ananias asks some questions first, like, hold on a second before I say yes. And so when we think about these similarities and differences, we're just going to um, work through what can we learn from, from this about who God is and about who we are. So first, both of these experiences are recorded for us um, in Acts 9 and they are, they're relational, they're personal. <clears throat> and I was thinking about this this week because when you say um, moved by a personal experience of Jesus, what makes a personal experience different from a, just, a, just an experience? And both Saul and Ananias um, have hear their name. And I was like, oh, do you have to hear your name? <laughs> is that what it is? Um, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's what makes it personal. I think what makes it personal is the sense that this is for you. And we heard some stories this morning as people shared um, that they really felt God was, they, this was for them. This was a message that was for them. And that can happen with, with or without your name being used. So um, Greg and I will often, <laughs> will often say, hey, you, um, at the start of a conversation, and it's not because we don't know each other's name. Um, it's a term of endearment for us. And I know that when Greg starts a conversation with, hey, you, that's for me. It's not for anyone else. So when we have an experience with Jesus that is personal, he may or may not use your name, but you'll know it's for you and it's from Jesus. Jesus will engage with people differently. And this is part of um, what makes those experiences personal. For Saul, it was a booming voice from the sky and a bright light. For Ananias, it was a vision in a dream. 
But for some of us, that can happen as we read a passage of the Bible, as we sing a song. Sometimes it happens when we're in prayer. Sometimes it happens as we listen to someone else share. When we're all together or when we're alone. It could happen as you run into someone on the street or in your friendship group. In those moments, there's something about it that you know it's from God and it's for you at that time. And this kind of leads us to the second thing I wanted to share this morning, which is that um, Saul asks who it is that's speaking to him. And Ananias is sure that it's Jesus. And this is interesting to me, I think, because we often um, read Saul's conversion as being dramatic and amazing, um, and it is. But it was required because nothing else had reached Saul. <laughs> He's pretty, it's a tough nut to crack. Jesus had to actually stop him in his tracks. Ananias, on the other hand, knows Jesus' voice. He's in regular conversation with him. He's praying and he's listening to teaching and he's engaging with scripture, which for him at that time is what we would call the Old Testament. So Ananias is ready to listen. He's ready to hear and he knows that it's Jesus. So this morning, I want you to think about this as a continuum. At one end is someone like Saul, who's kind of doing their own thing, and perhaps really well-versed in the Bible. Someone who knows all of the right answers, but not someone who knows Jesus personally and is in a relationship with him. At the other end is someone like Ananias who spends his time reading and listening and praying and when Jesus speaks, he instantly knows that it's him. And so if you think about that as a spectrum, where are you this morning? And that can, you know, that can change. Tomorrow you might feel differently. But right now this morning, where, where do you think you are? How well do you know Jesus' voice? The examples of the personal experiences that we find in this um, story from Acts both have very specific directions in them. Think about Ananias. He's, he's supposed to go to Straight Street to a specific house and do a specific thing. And I want to suggest to you this morning that Jesus can still be this specific. He does still do that. And when I was a teenager, I used to think it would be great if God could leave me post-it notes. It was my strongest desire. Because um, if he could kind of communicate with me through post-it notes, leave me like a little message of here are the things that I have for you today, like tick them off. Um, then I could make sure that I was really faithful in that space. But I realise that there are a few things wrong with that hope. First, I think God is interested in creating and forming people who choose well. So if he left us all specific instructions for each day, we'd become really good at following directions, maybe. (laughs) But we, we wouldn't become people who choose well and who look for opportunities We'd tick our boxes and that would be the end of it. Second thing is that God gave us the Bible. In fact, a good portion of the New Testament would eventually be written by Saul, who very soon after this passage becomes Paul. And we learn, um, we're able to learn and engage with Jesus differently than Saul and Ananias because we have the Bible. <clears throat> the third reason, um, and this is a little bit of a side thought, But when you have very specific directions and they're very clear, it's it's probably because, it's not the only reason, but it could be because you you might require a bit of intervention to to choose that path. It might not be what you would naturally want to do at that time. 
So think about Ananias. For a good reason, logically, it, it did not make sense to go and see Saul. But he knows God and he trusts God, and this is the direction. But God does need to be very specific with him in order for him to go. And this leads us to the last thing that I wanted to share with you this morning. Both of these experiences, um, though direct, they require a faith response. There's something about a personal experience with Jesus that doesn't leave us unchanged. I pray that this morning, um, and I often will pray that because I think one of the things that we want is we want to be growing more like Jesus. So when we have a personal experience, it shifts us. It requires us to move. It moves our thinking or our priorities, moves our attitude, moves our behaviour, perhaps moves our physical location. And the response is different at different times. For Saul, Jesus needed him to be humble and to stop. For Ananias, Jesus needed him to go and to be bold. But as we encounter Jesus, his um, desire is not that we remain the same. His desire is that we grow in our faith, that we become more like him, and that as we engage with him and we're moved into action, we become people who more closely reflect him and, in, and um, join him in his mission here on earth. In lots of Bibles, um, this passage that we looked at this morning is called the conversion of Saul. I think we could probably call it the faith of Ananias. This story is ultimately about a faithful follower who is the right person at the right time who listened and moved. And this is what it means to be responsive to God's mission. This is what we want to be as individuals and as a community. This is what it looks like to live life well with Jesus. So what does this mean for us? <clears throat> I've got a few questions for us to reflect on and in a moment um, we'll take some time to do that. Um, if you're new here at Northern or just visiting with us, one of the ways that we as a community encourage personal experiences with Jesus is to make sure that we leave room in our service for God to um, help one or two things from the whole of the service to settle in our hearts and to give us room to respond to God um, right now in that moment to figure out what that difference is what what will change for you um, learning theory tells us that if we write something down we're more likely to do it we're more likely to change and if we tell someone else about it, we're even more likely to do it. And if we have some encouraging accountability, we're very, very likely to do it. So other than having um, some nice music and to give you a rest from someone talking and being up here, we have this reflection and response time and we give you paper, we encourage you to write something down to, to facilitate and help you grow with God and, and make some change. That's why we do it. If there's something that you'd like us to follow up with you or there's something that you'd like us to call you about so that you can have some of that encouraging accountability, write that down on your, on your card and the team will do that. We're really happy to, to do that with you. <coughs> so for today, the questions that I wanted to um, kind of leave you with as um, some points to reflect on is are you listening? Would you know God's voice? <coughs> we know Jesus' voice when we spend time with him. This is a quality thing as well as a quantity thing. So when you pray, are you listening or are you doing all the talking? When you read the Bible, are you giving <coughs> the Holy Spirit room to let the message settle in you? I want to say this morning that that takes practice. 
So if this is something that you'd like help with, um, you can come and chat with me after the service. Maybe not because my voice is running out, <laughs> but I'll listen and I'll write things down for you. Um, but, it, you know, send us an email this week or talk to David, talk to Alethea, talk to someone that you trust here. You know, how people have different ways of doing this to be able to kind of really sit and um, devotionally read the Bible, N not just let the words wash over you. The second question is, through your personal experience, how are you being moved or challenged right now? So when you pray or you read your Bible, you sing, <coughs> you dream dreams, what are the things that you sense God is saying to you and what are you doing about that? I also wanted to flag there's another way to think about this. I shared with you um, at the beginning of this message some of my experiences about being cars, cars being broken into. This wasn't an experience that I felt um, Jesus intended for me. It wasn't a personal experience of Jesus, but it was a personal experience. And as I've shared that experience with Jesus through prayer, Jesus has used it to shape me. He's pointed out, you know what? That fear response is not from me. <clears throat> so I want to suggest to you this morning that as we have experiences in life and things that we feel really challenged by, we can take those to Jesus in prayer and he will help us transform those experiences into a faith response. So if you're feeling like you've got lots of experiences that are shaping you but it doesn't feel like any of them are for you from Jesus, then maybe take one of those experiences to him in prayer this morning. Ask him what he'd like to say to you through that. What would he have you do differently? What does a faithful response to that experience look like? And the last question I've got this morning is, they're all big questions today, sorry. <laughs> it's a big passage. Um, you know, just a small topic. Thanks, David. Personal experience of Jesus in 20 minutes. Go. <laughs> um, the last question is, how is Jesus at work in you and through you to extend his kingdom here on earth? So when we're thinking about um, moved into, into mission, what is that looking like for you? So how is Jesus at work in you and through you to extend his kingdom here on earth? And maybe you're not sure, and that's okay. But I, I want you to take some time now and ask God about it. If you want to have a chat after the service or during the week, do that. Talk to one of the team. Talk to someone else that you trust. Um, take it to um, a friend who's a believer. Um, we here would love to help you figure out where God is using you. He is using you already. Um, if you haven't worked that out where or how, we're happy to figure that out with you. Um, but he might also be calling you to do something else in future. And so working that through is um, always a constant conversation that we have with God, isn't it? Okay, so I've been doing a lot of talking this morning and it's important to give you some space. So we're going to have some time together and um, just, you know, spend that time um, with Jesus as, as your priority and then I'll come back here up here and we'll pray. Just have some time. Now.